Thanks for listening to this podcast of Trending with Timory. If you haven't already subscribed, please catch us wherever you love to listen to your podcast, from the Relevant Radio app to Apple, YouTube, you name it, we are there. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please be sure to go and give us a five-star review to help other people discover the podcast. Anything you share in terms of episodes, whether it's texting it to a friend, posting on social media, helps to build up the kingdom for God to help confront the challenging issues we face as a culture, but with joy, with hope, and with an eternal perspective where our faith collides with everyday life, bringing eternal principles to help us live our life joyfully. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. Hey there, friends. Welcome to Trending with Timory. I'm Patrick Conley sitting in for Timory tonight on the Feast of the Presentation of the Lord. Man, there's so many wonderful spiritual insights and encouragements to be drawn from today's feast. So, personally, I was at Mass this morning, and I was touched this morning by this being a feast of continuity between Old Covenant and New Covenant. You know, you got Mary and Joseph who are fulfilling the Jewish law by coming to the temple with their son who opened the womb, right? But then we find out, of course, later on that their son is himself both the fulfillment of that law and the new temple. Oh, man, I just find it wonderfully dizzying. It it's, uh, just gives me... Good chills, joyful chills as I think about it. I hope you do too, and I hope you are celebrating and feasting today. Well, tonight on Trending, we are celebrating. Specifically, we're celebrating the gift of the Holy Spirit, who, when he comes to us specifically in baptism and in confirmation, brings with him a spectacular number of in, of identifiable, of discernible gifts Of course, there's the seven sanctifying graces. Shall I quiz you on those? Those seven gifts that you probably learned in preparation for your own uh, confirmation. They're taken from Isaiah chapter 11. Uh, But there's also the manifold gratuitous graces or charisms. Sometimes they're just called spiritual gifts. Those charisms that empower us to live out our part in Christ's ongoing mission to the world. And uh, I'm pretty heavily involved with a particular way of discerning those gifts um, called Called and Gifted, which is a curriculum put together by Sherry Waddell and the Catherine of Siena Institute. So when I'm not on air with Relevant Radio, um, I'm oftentimes out in parishes teaching that. And uh, just a little bit of a story about how I got involved in that. Uh, Shortly after my wife and I became Catholic, when we came into the Catholic Church back in 2010, we got a call from our shared mission director, and she just said, Father wants you to keep this weekend free. <laughs> That's all she said. And I said, uh, okay, can we know what it's for? And she just very vaguely said it had something to do with spiritual gifts. Well, it turns out that that's what we were in for that summer back in 2010. And um, we were just kind of blown away by it, that there are ways that the Holy Spirit lives and dwells within us and then works through us, with our permission, of course, to bring about Jesus's ongoing mission to the world today. And that's what we're going to talk about here on Trending Tonight. And since it is Thursday, and we'll we'll give a nod to marriages as well, um, later on in the program, we're going to have some insights as to how discerning our gifts, our spiritual gifts, can actually contribute to a happy marriage as well. <clears throat> but I'm pleased to welcome uh, my guest tonight, Father Brent Bowen, O.P., 
Uh, Father Brent and I, well, we'll have to go back and we'll have to think about this, Father, about when you and I met. I don't, I'm not even sure I remember. But uh, he was born and raised in Maine. He began discerning the call to religious life during graduate school at Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University. He entered the Dominican Friars Province of St. Albert, Albert the Great. That's the central province right here in the USA in 2012. He was ordained in 2019 and discerning charisms through the called and gifted discernment process played an important part in his priestly formation. He's a presenter for that same Catherine of Siena Institute, and he desires to help others realize the life-changing role that charism discernment plays in the life of a disciple of Jesus. Father Brent, welcome to the program. Good to be speaking with you. Thank you. Good to be with you, Patrick. And I was thinking about it. I think we first met in 2018 was when it? I first started presenting for the Catherine of Siena Institute. And we, you actually helped uh, train me, which was really great. I learned a lot from <laughs> <laughs> well, let's uh, let's hope that that uh, that that goes that continues on a little bit to, today. That it still goes well for you after this hour in front of us. But uh, no, I'm excited, Father. I'm excited to be with you and uh, and to speak about these things that have been near and dear to our hearts for some time now, um, as we've presented individually and together a number of times in a number of different places. So. Um, Actually, uh, let me let me back up before we even get into the whole um, charism and spiritual gifts uh, thing here. Why don't Why don't we just talk a little bit about um, you are a, a currently a doctor, a student in the Doctor of Ministry and Evangelization program at CUA at Catholic University. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah, I started that last summer. Okay, well, tell us a little bit about that Doctor of Ministry and Evangelization. What What does that all entail? Sure. So the uh, Many people, when they think of a doctoral degree, think of a PhD, and a PhD is like a research-focused degree. So it's for for people who want to do research in their particular area of study and often um, will want to to teach as well. A doctor of ministry is kind of the doctoral equivalent of the degree that priests receive for uh, ordination, which is called a Master of Divinity. So uh, a, a doctor of ministry is really focused on growing one's practice in ministry and uh, helping them to sometimes often specialize in a particular area of ministry. So uh, in my case, as you said, uh, my area of focus is evangelization. It's been a, an area that I'm very passionate about and have been for some time. And uh, yeah, so the, the as opposed to like a PhD where you do a dissertation and lots of research and things like that, what you do in a doctor of ministry program is you uh, identify a real-world pastoral problem and then design some kind of program or process to address that problem. You implement the, that, that program and then uh, get to evaluate it and write a treatise on that, on that process. So it's meant to be a real-world ministry degree. And uh, what I hope to do with it, God willing, is maybe to teach uh, back at our uh, Dominican House of Studies in St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, our friars are formed at Aquinas Institute of Theology, and so, God willing, I will end up back there at the end of it. Nice. Well, it sounds exciting. I, I uh, and How much longer do you have again? I have 
uh, two more summers of coursework and then, you know, however long it takes me to do the project. God willing, okay. it won't be too long. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Very good. Well, uh, stay tuned, I guess, for further updates, right? So I'm I'm excited about that for you. And uh, yeah, I, I, I look forward to hearing more about that as well. Well, let's jump into the topic at hand here. Again, if you're just joining us, my name is Patrick Conley and my guest is Father Brent Bowen, OP. And we are talking about uh, charisms and the spiritual gifts. So, you know, Father, I don't know if you have this experience, but when I'm teaching one of these workshops, one of the things that uh, I find is that a lot of Catholics, they either have never heard of these charism things or they're very fuzzy about what they actually mean. Um, So why don't we start out just with kind of a basic, what are we talking about here when we're talking about charisms or spiritual gifts? Sure. Yeah, that's a great place to start. Uh, As you said a little earlier, Patrick, a lot of times when people hear charisms or they hear us talk about spiritual gifts, they think of what immediately comes to mind is the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit, right? Right. And so I I actually did listen to Sister Arlene when I was in uh, Catholic grade school. (laughs) So it's wisdom, understanding, knowledge, counsel, piety, fortitude, and fear of the Lord, right? Nice. (laughs) Those those seven gifts of the Holy Spirit, we're, we're given those in... Uh, in uh, we receive them in, a, in a, a fullest way, of course, in the sacrament of confirmation. But those are what we call sanctifying gifts of the Holy Spirit. So, in other words, they're for ourselves, so that we can become holy, we can become saints, right? And um, so, there, there, there's kind of a rough division of two different kinds of grace. There's the sanctifying graces, like the ones we just talked about, and then there are the gratuitous graces. And we get this distinction from St. Thomas Aquinas, right? So the sanctifying graces are for us. They're for our our own growth and holiness to become saints. And then the gratuitous graces are given to us so that we can be instruments of God and his love and mercy and provision for others in the world. Mm -hmm. So in other words, they're meant to be given away. They're they're not meant for us to hold on to, but for us to give them away to other people. And often— we may not even know who God intends us to give these gifts to, um, that, which is why it's so important to discern their presence in our lives. Right. Yeah, and that's absolutely true. And and that's one of the things we will get into, of course, is discerning. And how do we even go about this, this, this discernment uh, in the middle of this? And, and what does that all involve and entail? But when we're talking about these things, um, you know, some of these sound uh, rather mundane. I know that when we're teaching on this, that we oftentimes— go over the what we typically do is we go over the 23 most commonly attested to in both tradition and in the scriptures of the of the charisms we're talking about things like encouragement and administration and pastoring and uh, healing and helps and service and and the list goes on and on intercessory prayer music writing teaching um and all of these things, they might sound like, well, yeah, this is just kind of what I do, but it's not just a natural thing, is it, Father? Absolutely. You're absolutely right. So obviously there are some charisms that are uh, what would what, what might look more obviously like supernatural, right? So for example, healing, right? Everybody would love to have the gift of healing, right? But God only gives that to those whom he wills. And then there are some that that seem more ordinary, right? So service or administration or encouragement, kind of like the ones that you just mentioned, right? The thing is, is that we have to remember that God wants us to be instruments of his love and mercy in both ordinary and extraordinary circumstances, right? right. So he wants us to live our faith and to proclaim him and make him known 
in every aspect of our lives, even the more ordinary of things. And so he gives us charisms according to whatever mission he has called us to, right? So when we, when we, for example, use the charism of administration, right? This charism has to do with organizing things for the sake of a kingdom purpose, right? And I don't know about you, but I don't have that charism, right? (laughs) I have to do a lot of organizing and things in my ministry as a priest, and they're not things that I particularly enjoy doing, right? But when I give them those things, when I delegate those things over to someone who has the charism of administration, that person is able to, like, see the big picture and divide it into, like, smaller bite-sized pieces and delegate it to people in a way, and it just works, and it's amazing, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And it doesn't sound overly exciting, but for that person, they really enjoy the, the use of that charism because it helps accomplish those kingdom purposes, like I was just talking about. And so we have charisms that are meant for really extraordinary things, but they're all also just really, really very ordinary things. We're called to glorify God in sometimes even the ordinary circumstances of our lives. Yeah, and and that's one of the things that I think is most uh, amazing to me about it. I think what it's really impressed upon me, Father, as as I've grown more and more uh, familiar with with these charisms, with these spiritual gifts, is that uh, you know there we might just think, well, what's the way that God's going to let him himself be made known to the world today? And mm-hmm. uh, you know, mm-hmm. we we might think like I'm we, I'm on the road a lot. I know um, with with this uh, teaching these workshops, and and I know you are at least from time to time with these and probably other things as well. But you know, whenever whenever I stay in a hotel, I look in the uh, I look in the bedside table, right? And guess what I mm-hmm. find there? Almost always, I find a Gideon's Bible, right? And that's right. that's wonderful. Right. And I have nothing bad to say about that. I'm glad that they're they're that they're there. Even so. I, it's been just a, it's kind of hit me as a kind of a flood, I suppose, as a tidal wave in that, um, even so an encounter like in a, a, a person may have in a hotel room late at night with the word of God, you know, fantastic. Can the Lord meet him in that? Absolutely. But it seems to me more and more that the, the primary way that he intends for the world to meet Christ is through his church, through the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit working in and amongst the community of faith, the people of God um, that have been given to proclaim this message, this this, uh, and not just proclaim a message, but actually facilitate an introduction. And it seems to me that that's what these charisms are precisely designed to do. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The thing is, is there's no such thing as professional evangelizers, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> like God, God calls all of us to exercise... Um, the apostolate by virtue of our baptism and confirmation, right? In fact, the church is, uses some really strong language to to talk about this, right? Especially when it when it has to do with the lay faithful. So, for example, I think it's uh, paragraph number nine hundred in the Catechism, right? It says that the lay faithful are entrusted with the apostolate by virtue of their baptism and confirmation, and that they have a right and a duty to actually work so that God's message can be made mm. known through to, to all people, right? Mm. And so it, it, the thing that I love about this particular paragraph of the Catechism is, is the, the last part of it. It says that that duty that, that lay people in particular have is even more pressing when it is only through them, only through them, that other people can hear the gospel and come to know Jesus, right? Yeah. So their activity, lay people, people like you, right, your activity in the world 
is so necessary that for the most part, my vocation as a priest, as a religious, will not be fully effective unless you are out there living it. Right. And right. people, people, a lot of people, when they hear that, it, they just, they're just like, what, really? Like, I thought that was your job as a priest, right? And it's like, well, it is my job, but it's also your job, right? And the proof, the proof that my vocation is bearing fruit is that you are out in the world going and bearing fruit, right? That's what Christ wants all of us to do, to go and bear fruit that will remain. That's yeah. what he says in John's gospel, right? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely right, and uh, you know it's it's like it's like it was it's been designed this way or something, right? I mean, that's yeah, the... I know, right? Like, <laughs> like there was someone who had a really great way of putting this together, and like we just have to we just have to be obedient to him or something, you know? Exactly, exactly, and that's I mean that's one of the things maybe we should say here in the in the first half of the show anyway that uh, we're not just making this up, or the Catherine Sienna Institute did not make this up. Um, this goes well certainly back at least as far as the New Testament, and you can see, I think, rumblings of it in the Old. Certainly, you can see them being lived out in the Old. But with the New Testament, mm-hmm. you see in places like Ephesians 4 and 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12, you see these. St. Paul is listing off some of these gifts that we're talking about, and he's talking about how they are used for the building of the church, for the glorification of God, for the salvation of the world. And in fact, um, you, you brought the catechism into play here, so I can I can uh, bat that ball back at you here, Father. So uh, oh, if you look Let's at do it. if you look at charisms right around, so you were talking nine hundred. If you go back a hundred paragraphs to about paragraph eight hundred, well, here's what seven ninety nine mm-hmm. says. It says whether extraordinary or simple and humble, charisms are graces of the Holy Spirit, which directly or indirectly benefit the church, ordered as they are to her building up, to the good of men, and to the needs of the world. So it's right there in black and white, and um, really, I mean, it's 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 somewhat intriguing, uh, and I guess it's job security for you and I in teaching these workshops that um, oh, a lot sure. of Catholics just haven't heard about this, but they're there. Yeah, yeah, and 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 I really think that Patrick, that that this is one of the most untapped teachings of the Church, right? Like mm-hmm. it, you're right, it is right there. It's in the scriptures. It's in the sacred tradition. One hundred percent. Our job as disciples of Jesus is to go and to learn about this, to discern our charisms, and to live them in the world. Whatever whatever charisms God has given to you, right? Because, uh, you know, all of them need, are important, right? And if you don't use your charisms in the world, no one else will, right? God right. has given them to you specifically. Yeah. Yeah, it's exciting stuff, and now we got to find out how we discern them. But before we get into that, we're going to take a short break here on Trending with Timory. My name's Patrick Conley, sitting in for Timory this evening. My guest is Father Brent Bowen, OP, and we're talking about charisms, the gifts, the gratuitous graces of the Holy Spirit, helping us live out our role in Christ's mission to the world. Stay with us. We'll be right back. This February 24th, our show sponsor, Colby Academy, is hosting a virtual college fair where high school students can hear from top Catholic colleges and universities from around the world. Register at RelevantRadio.com slash Colby. You're listening to Trending with Timory, where you can discuss what matters most to you. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149. 
Welcome back to Trending with Timory. I'm Patrick Conley sitting in for Timory tonight, and my guest is Father Brent Bow, an OP who is part of the Central Province, St. Albert, the Great Province of Dominicans here in the United States. And we are talking about discerning the gratuitous graces, the charisms, the spiritual gifts that we have been given. Um, well, we haven't really started talking about discerning, but let's start there, Father. I mean, really, uh, it's not like we are born with an innate or we're the, once we're confirmed, we have an innate knowledge of what these charisms are, right? There's something that need to be discerned, which gifts that we have, yeah? Yeah, okay, so let's go right back to the catechism that you were, the references yeah. that you were just talking about, right? So uh, catechism number 801, it says that the discernment of charisms is always necessary, right? right. So. Um, a lot of times, and I think a lot of times people get this from like um, some of the some of the uh, Pentecostal movements in the in the evangelical world. They think mm-hmm. that you can just sort of pray for a gift and it will be given. But the Catechism is really clear. It says that we have to actually discern those charisms in the, their presence in our lives, right? Mm-hmm. And by discerning them, then we can verify that they're that they're in, indeed present, right? And that we can have a better sense of how God might be calling us to use those charisms in the world. Right. Uh, because, because it's, you know, Paul is also very clear, right? Like, like the Holy spirit gives these charisms to each of us sovereignly. So he gives us however he, he wills. Right. And, and we, our job is just to receive those charisms with consolation and joy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's really what the, the process of discernment helps one to to receive those charisms, to to um, to understand how they're at work in their life, and to, and to, to be joyful about it. Hmm. Yeah, and I think that that's exactly it. That there that there is a that there's a process that's involved in this, and it's it's uh, it's something that is is attested to, as you said, both in the scriptures themselves as well as in the catechism. And there is on discerning them and then utilizing them. Um, it just mm-hmm. brings about our our joy, our happiness, our true fulfillment, because we're living out, well, our our patroness for the Catherine of Siena Institute, what uh, she is oftentimes paraphrased as saying, which is, be who God made you to be, and you will set the world on fire, right? And that's, right, uh, right. And you will feel that burning within your own heart as well, I'm sure, in in uh, many, many good ways. So maybe this would be a good time, Father, just to uh, just to be explicit about the references that we're making here. So in case you listeners missed it at the top of the show, so uh, Father Bowen and I are both uh, presenters of the Called and Gifted uh, Charism Discernment Process that has been put together um, by the Catherine of Siena Institute, but uh, more specifically by Sherry Waddell. Some of you may be in, uh, may be familiar with her, as she's the author of Forming Intentional Disciples and a number of follow-on books. Forming Intentional Disciples, by the way, is out in its new edition, so check that out. And Father Father Michael Sweeney, OP, so another Dominican. Um, there's heavy Dominican influence here on the Catherine of Siena Institute, right? So. Um, and he is uh, he is from the western province of the Dominicans as well, and so they put together this this curriculum of of uh, teaching and then helping to facilitate helping lay people discern these spiritual gifts that they've been given. So, Father, with that as kind of a backdrop, um, why don't you lead us a little bit into? I know we talk in the workshops about five steps of discernment. Can you kind of lead us into that? Sure. Yeah. So with any kind of discernment, you have to really start with uh, exploring what is possible, right? So 
when it comes to discerning charisms, the most important thing is to is to go through each of the charisms and to learn um, what what that charism is, um, what it looks like in the life of a Christian. So, you know, we our church is over two thousand years old now, so we have lots of examples of people, whether they be saints or historical figures or even contemporary people that likely manifest particular charisms, right? So we can we can see examples of what the charism looks like in the life of a person, right? We can see how it functions. Specifically, um, we, we can begin to sort of name and explain how a particular charism functions and how it might differ from another charism. And then um, the other thing that's important in this step is to see how it feels to use the charism, right? Mm-hmm. So, so th- if I were to sum it up, I would say explore the possibilities is your first step. Mm-hmm. So get to know in black and white, what does this charism look like? Um, and we, we, like you said at the beginning, there are 23 uh, very common charisms that we go through uh, with the Catherine of Siena Institute, um, the ones that most commonly manifest. Now, we should note um, even though there are these 23, like God is God. God can, there could be an unlimited number of charisms out there. <laughs> True right? enough, God right. God can use us in whatever way he wants. It's just we want to focus on the ones that we see most commonly, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's that's what we walk people through with that. Um, we, we do that through a, a day-long workshop usually where we'll walk through each of those charisms. We'll, we'll teach them a little bit about uh, what each one looks like, as I said and give them some examples. Um, The next step, once you've explored the possibilities, is to actually experiment with that charism. So charisms are real and objective, right? They are real graces that God has given to us in our life. And when we are put in a situation that calls for the use of the charism, the Holy Spirit, of course, will manifest, right? And he will, and that charism will, will make itself manifest in that situation. And so what we can do is we can actually intentionally put ourselves in situations where that charism might manifest, right? We can't just think about it. We can't just discern in the abstract. We have to discern through action, right? Which is true of discerning anything. We have to, we can't just sit back. We have to actually actively move. And so what we do is we put ourselves in those situations where the charism might manifest, and then we just see what happens. We see if those things that we learned about in the first step, exploring the possibilities, do we see those kinds of things happening? And we pay attention, right? We pay attention to um, a few things, and that, that brings us to step three. The first one that we pay attention to is, what is it like when I actually use this charism? We examine our experience. So when a charism manifests, as we were talking about earlier, it should be joyful, right? It should be an enjoyable use of that gift that God has given has given to us because it is Him who is working through that, right? So people will often talk about when they're uh, using those charisms, they'll feel a sense of energy, right? Like they're just really energized, they're pumped up, they're sad, they feel satisfied or joyful. Um, some people will say. It just feels like I'm doing exactly what God wants me to be doing. It feels just yeah. like it fits, yeah. like a glove, yeah. right? It, it, it feels very natural, although it is supernatural, we should say, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, but they'll also talk about, for example, that uh, it feels like this is a natural expression of my relationship with God. Like, I have a relationship with God, and this is clearly what He wants me to do, right? 
Um, and other times they'll just describe it as feeling somewhat even prayerful or contemplative, right? Um, because it's the Holy Spirit, right? It's God who is dwelling in us. And so, of course, we're going to feel that sense of, of, uh, of, of presence there. So as, as I said, some people will describe it as prayerful or even contemplative. Right. If I can just jump in right there, Father, I just want to yep. add to that. That's that is so important to examine our own experience when we're experimenting mm-hmm. with the charism, when we're when we're thinking, well, this activity or when I'm engaged doing this, it seems to bring a lot of joy. I wonder if there's something that's a that's a really key part of it. I know one of the stories that we tell in the workshop is of a person who is discerning a possible charism of administration. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of times these, these charisms, they might kind of, uh, they might feel like, or in fact, you might think there's a charism there when really it's more of a learned skill or a natural talent, sure. but not actually mm-hmm. a charism. Anyway, this person was discerning a possible charism of administration and he was asked, well, um, you're coming near retirement and you, your job entails a lot of administration. So tell me this, after you retire, are you really looking forward to continuing to to be an administrator, to you know strategically plan and organize and delegate responsibilities and, and get everything together so that good things can happen? And he said, absolutely not. <laughs> as soon as I retire, <laughs> I will never administrate anything again. <laughs> well, yep. there you go. You know, there's good discernment, right? I'm I'm discerning mm-hmm. that this is not a charism of mine right there. Right, right. So, it is. Yeah. It's a key part of it, but it's not the end. I know that was only step three. Yeah, yeah, and and, and your example was really great. Our our experience really does matter, but it's not the only thing that matters, right? We actually, right. as we said, charisms are objective, right? So there's an objective component to that discernment as well. So the fourth step would be to uh, to evaluate our effectiveness. So in other words, a charism when it manifests, God will show up. The Holy Spirit will show up, and that charism will do what it's meant to do. So you just use the example of administration, right? If a person is genuinely manifesting a charism of administration, then they will bring order to chaos, right? Mm. And not just in a, in a purely sort of human way, right? They will do so in a way that is supernaturally empowered, right? So I, for example, do not have the charism of, of administration. When I have to plan things and delegate things and, 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 and sort of work it out, it takes me forever. Right? And right. I get it done. And people say, hey, you're, you're good at that. But, but one, it's, it's not joyful for me. So that's step three, right? Okay, probably not a charism for me. But also, I have to work really hard at it. Mm-hmm. Whereas uh, I know a Dominican, for example, who definitely has the charism of administration. And when he organizes and delegates and plans, it's like everything just falls into place. Right. We can just see that that person is supernaturally empowered to to do this kind of thing. And that's because the charism does what it's supposed to do. Right. Right. And so that's that's an important objective uh, step when discerning the presence of a charism. Do I actually see it? Um, And that brings us to step number five. Right. When we are using our charisms, we should expect and actually really look for when we're intentionally discerning, we should expect people to give us feedback, right? Because, of course, when the Holy Spirit makes himself manifest in our lives, then we make God present in those situations. And people are going to notice that. So they might tell us, for example, hey, when you, uh, 
when you're when you were in charge of the parish picnic, which was a logistical nightmare, right? <laughs> you really made that work, right? Like you just had right. knew all of the right things to do, like sticking with the charism of administration that we've been using, right? Right. Right. Like you just knew what to do and and who was the right person to ask, right? So they give you feedback. Um, so that's like direct feedback, but it also could be more indirect, right? So when the parish council is batting around ideas for the parish picnic and they're like, hey, who should we pick to organize this? And they say, hey, you know, we should really pick Mary because Mary is really excellent at it, right? And so what do they do? They go and they ask Mary, hey, Mary, can you organize the parish picnic, right? Mm -hmm. Now that might seem like a mundane example, but they're calling for the use of Mary's charism of administration in that situation, right? There, you have to look for that kind of indirect feedback from people, right? right. So let me review what we said. We said, yeah. explore the possibilities, right? Yeah. Go through, we learn about each of the charisms. What does it look like? And then what we do is we intentionally put ourselves in a situation where that charism might make itself manifest. And then steps three, four, and five, we look for three pieces of evidence. One, what does it feel like? What is my experience of using this charism like? Okay. Two, or four, I should say, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. Do I actually see effectiveness? Do I see the charism doing what it's meant to do? And do I see it happen in a way that doesn't require a whole lot of undue uh, effort on my part? Like it just seems easy, right? And then what kind of feedback do people give me, either direct or indirect feedback, right? If we see those three pieces of evidence, our experience, our effectiveness, and then feedback, it's possible that we have a charism at work here. Yeah. And that's the process that we teach people through the called and gifted process is to pay attention to those situations where God might be making himself present and to see if we see those signs present. And I, I've seen this uh, in my own life, in my own life, discerning charisms, and I've seen it in certainly hundreds, if not thousands of other lay people as I've, as I've taught these workshops, as I've worked with parishes and dioceses, they're uh, trying to put together these discernment, these charism discernment um, processes in their midst. Um, it's been really effective to have people recognize these gifts. And once they're recognized, once they're discerned that, uh, you know, I can say fairly confidently, if not completely confidently, that I have this charism or fairly confidently or uh, completely confidently that I do not have this charism and that sort of right, thing. Right, right. I mean, there's a lot of good things that come from that, right? I mean, one is you yeah. start to recognize the part of the body of Christ, of Christ's mystical body that you are, and you recognize it's a clue to, here comes the V word, Father, you ready for, for it? I'm ready, our I'm ready, lay it on me. Discerning our charisms is actually a significant clue towards determining our vocation the calling mm -hmm. that the Lord has placed in our lives. Why don't you say a few words about that, uh, Father, as we're talking about uh, discerning charisms. How can that help us understand vocation in our lives? Sure. Yeah. When we see those areas where God has supernaturally gifted us, when we see where he habitually shows up in our lives so that we can make Christ present for others, and those are like breadcrumbs, right? And if we follow those breadcrumbs, they're a important piece uh, of evidence that can help us understand what God's mission is for our life, right? So you use the word vocation, right? Mm -hmm. Vocation, we, we can understand it as state of life, right? Marriage, priesthood, religious life, etc. But we can also talk about it as what does God really want me to do? 
like in my unique circumstance, in my city, in my community of people, right. right? God, what do you want me to do in my life? And discerning charisms helps make that clearer. Yeah, right. It does. And I, I like, I appreciate the, that you really focused in on the, the here and now, because I think a lot of times mm-hmm. in, in our kind of virtual lives that we currently lead in so many ways that we kind of lose lose sight of the fact that the Lord has called us to a specific time and a specific place, right? Um, he has, as as uh, other presenters have put it, and, I, and I've stolen it freely and used it liberally in my own presentation of the workshop, is saying that, you know, we're kind of God's starting lineup right now. You know, we're on the field in this time, in this place, and God is wanting us here. He has strategically and in all wisdom placed us here. So what does he want to do through us here in the world today? Man, that's exciting to me. Nobody's on the bench, right? That's all right. Of us Thank are in you. The game, exactly. Right? <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Nobody's. I love that. I'm going to. Okay, Father, I'm stealing that for my next workshop. Yo, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> Very uh, good. I'll, I'll, expect, I'll expect my royalty check. Uh, I'm soon in the mail. <laughs> I'll get at that. I'll get at that. My guest tonight is Father Brent Bowen, OP. My name is Patrick Conley, sitting in for Timory tonight, and we're talking about discernment of charisms or gratuitous graces and living that out in the world today and how we can facilitate an encounter with uh, with Jesus Christ himself, with our living, resurrected Lord, um, just by living into our charisms. Um, Father, I'm going to I'm going to suggest that we take a short break. But when we come back, seeing that this is Thursday on Trending with Timory and we like to give a little thought to marriage as we uh, head into Thursdays and, and getting closer to the weekend here, especially with Valentine's Day looming not too far in the distant future here. Um, we've got uh, we've got just a little bit of time to talk about how charism discernment might actually edify marriages as well. Is that all right with you, Father? Absolutely. Let's do it. All right. Fantastic. Well, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, more of Trending with Timory. We look forward to seeing you then. Stay with us. Listening to Trending with Timory, where you can discuss what matters most to you. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149. Welcome back to Trending with Timory. My name is Patrick Conley. My thanks to Jim Schaefer, who's producing the show tonight, and Patrick Alog, who's keeping watch on the phones. And I guess tonight is Father Brent Bowen, OP of the Central Province of the Dominicans, St. Albert the Great Province here in the U.S., and we're talking about discernment of charisms of spiritual gifts. And uh, specifically through the called and gifted charism discernment process put together by the Catherine of Siena Institute. Information, by the way, can be found online at siena.org, S-I-E-N-A.org. And uh, by the way, um, also, Father, you'd mentioned that step one in those five steps that you were talking about is to explore the possibilities and to find out to learn about these things. Um, so, again, Ephesians 4, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, uh Catechism, right around the paragraph 800, is uh, is a good place to look. But if you're interested in learning about specifically uh, more about the charisms that we talk about in the called and gifted process, let me 
Uh, let me suggest Fruitful Discipleship, a book by, by Sherry Waddell that's called Fruitful Discipleship. Um, that will be a good introduction to the charisms and charism discernment as well. But as promised, Father, I want to I turn the spotlight a little bit on charism discernment, specifically how it can benefit uh, those who are married and those who perhaps are in marriage prep uh, right now. Now, do you do marriage prep, Father? Is that one of the things you do? Oh, yeah. Uh, my first assignment as a priest was at a university parish, and so I did lots and lots of marriage prep. And <laughs> although I am a doctoral student now, I still have couples approach me and ask if I can help prepare them for marriage. In fact, I did a marriage preparation. I started one last night with a couple. Uh, and so, you know, as I was reflecting on, okay, what, how, how can charism discernment help either in the marriage preparation process, or if you've been married for a long time, how can it help you to grow and to appreciate uh, your spouse, but then also to appreciate how you and your spouse might be called to to live the mission of the church in your in your yes. marriage. So right. yeah. yeah, I think there's definitely a lot that could be said there. Yeah, yeah. Well, a couple of things that occur to me um, as a married man and having been familiar with the calling after process with the uh, discernment of charisms and seeing my wife and I both discern charisms in our lives. One of the things is that, um, and this is one of the things we, we really focus in on too in the workshop, is that we talk about how we tend to see the world through the lens of our charisms, right? And so when something comes up, some sort of problem arises, which of course, in I'm sure in many of our listeners, they have problem-free marriages. <laughs> right, of course. Um, that's that's sarcasm there. All, in case all the relevant radio <laughs> listeners have great marriages. <laughs> yeah, very good, yes. But um, when a problem arises, oftentimes we will look at... Uh, we'll look at a problem through the lens of our charisms. One of the favorite mm-hmm. uh, adages, you know, is for the man with a hammer, every problem is a nail. Yeah, well, that's something similar that's going on with us in our charisms. So, for example, I, I'm fairly confident that the Lord has given me a gift of teaching. And that being the case, then oftentimes when I'm looking at a problem, my first questions that I'm asking in my head is, well, who needs to learn what in order for this problem to be solved, right? Um, so my right. solutions are all, they tend to be, anyway, more teaching-focused, you know, and so that seems mm-hmm. to be something, the way that we look at things. Um, and so, and this is true, by the way, this is mutually applicable beyond the realm of marriage, but it's been very helpful in, in the scope of marriage, in my experience, um, is to be able to recognize that and then see that when you disagree with a spouse over the solution to a problem or even just how we might go about the next step that God is calling us to in marriage, how it's helpful to know each other's charisms, each other's spiritual mm-hmm. gifts, how the Lord is seeking to utilize them in Christ's ongoing mission to the world. And then what that means, as you were just saying, Father, what that means for us as a couple, how we as right. husband and wife are being called to move forward together and address this problem or uh, take this next step of faith or whatever it might be. Does that seem to make sure. sense? That's at least one of the ways. Yeah, that I oh, yeah, definitely. You know, it, and when one of the things that I do a lot in marriage prep is just help the bride and groom to get to know one another better, right? Because they, they know each other, right? They've been dating. But especially early on in a relationship, people tend to see their their potential spouse, right? through kind of rose-colored glasses. They, they see all of yeah. the great things about them, right? And <laughs> course, when we get to right. know ourselves, right, when we get to know ourselves and we get to know what the other person 
we get to know, for example, what their charisms might be, well, then we can appreciate um, their charisms. We can appreciate the gifts uh, that God has given them. We can appreciate for them for who they are. And then we can choose to love that person, right? Love, if, if I were to give a definition of love, right? Love is freely choosing the other person's good mm. for their sake, right? Right. Yep. When we when we know ourselves and we know that other person better, we can choose to love them better, right? Yeah. But I also want to talk about that other part that you just said, right? Like how do how do husbands and wives, once they have discerned their charisms, how do they move forward together? What I would say is this: in the church, we have two sacraments that we call sacraments that are at the service of the church's communion. So that's marriage and holy orders, right? Yes, right. So we see we see obviously how holy orders, right, is is at the service of the church's communion because it's it's bringing the sacraments, it's teaching, sanctifying, governing, all of those things, right? And marriage is meant to be also at the service of the church's communion, right? Mm, Remember right. that the charisms they're meant to be given away. And so when you and your spouse discern your charisms together, you can ask yourself and discern the question prayerfully together, God, what are you calling us to do as a married couple to serve the body of Christ more fruitfully? Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And that's, that's just it too. And I think that that's one of the, I mean, that's one of the things that, um, thanks be to God, I think my wife and I, we... (laughs) just through his direct intervention, we recognize that early on in our marriage that, um, you know, this isn't, yes, of course, there's a, there's an initial time of kind of gazing lovingly into one another's eyes, but the, really what God calls us to marriage for is to, to grasp hands, but then face forward together, right? And to take each step as a family, as a, as a married couple, as a family uh, together, doing the work that he's given us as a family, as a married couple in the world today, right? And so that's very mission focused, and I think that that's uh, that's that's quintessentially what marriage is all about. Like you said, it's for the communion right. of the church, right? Right. And think about, for example, think about the couples in your parish that you're like, oh man, they're just like model Catholics, right? Hmm. They they are they probably aren't model Catholics all the time, right? Like all of us are, are all of us have have our dark sides. All of us are sinful, right? But those couples that are really living the vocation of marriage well, they're doing that because they are working together to serve that mm-hmm. that serve their family first and foremost, right? To serve their children, their their immediate family, but then also to serve the greater body of Christ, right? Right. Marriage right. is we say it's um, it's the the domestic church, right? Marriage and family, yeah. and so we learn to love one another in that domestic church, and then we can take what we have learned and apply that to that larger church, right? Mm-hmm. The whole mystical body of Christ, mm-hmm. and so you can see the parallels between what one can discover about their spouse in their marriage and how they can take those things out into the world. We can see that, that, that sort of direct correlation there. Right. Yep. I, I couldn't agree more. I think that that's right exactly the, the way we need to continue to ever more be strengthening our view of our marriage, our families, in, in exactly that way. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm too struck, Father, about the, the discernment of one's charisms in a marriage relationship. I mean, it also affords the opportunity to quite frankly, to avoid burnout. And I think a lot of times, you know, uh, my wife and I have been married for over 20 years now, and we're 
there are lots of demands on our lives right now. And uh, there are ways in which we really do see um, the Lord working in our midst, certainly, but also recognizing that we need to learn to say no. And uh, word to the wise, if any if any younger folks are listening and if you're young in your marriage or if you're not even married yet, but you hope to be someday, um, yeah, the demands don't go down <laughs> when, when, you, uh, when you get into the marriage situation, certainly if you have children as well. Um, there, the demands will continue to increase. But knowing our charisms can help us know when and where to say no as well. Would you say that's true, Father? Another thing to, that I would just add on to what you just said, Patrick, is yeah. that discerning, of, discerning our charisms helps us to see where we are gifted, but it also helps us to see where we are not gifted. Yes. Right? Right. And part of using charisms we, we talked about is, is that it's joyful. It's, it's fruitful. Right, we we people see it. It it really adds something to the church's mission in the world. Right, when we're working out of something that is not our charism, then it's going to be harder. It's going to be more of a drudgery. Right, Mm -hmm. and you can apply that to your marriage situation too. Right, when you and your spouse are able to see where you're gifted, but also where you're not gifted, Mm -hmm. then when you're invited into into particular aspects of service, whether it be in your church or whether it be out in the world or something like that, you can discern well, okay, I don't think God is calling me to do this or calling us to do this together, right? Right. And you can discern also, hey, yeah, I think God is really inviting us into something good here, and he's going to use the charisms that he's given us together uh, to, to, to accomplish something really beautiful here. Right. Right, exactly. Yeah, one of the things I know we had to learn kind of the hard way um, a few a few years into our marriage is that a need does not necessarily constitute a call. Um, you know, just mm-hmm. because there's a need there, because you can see needs all over the place, and uh, right. and you can say yes to all these different things. But then you mentioned drudgery, and you mentioned, and I mentioned burnout, and and those types of things. If if we're not familiar with how the Lord is wanting to use us, how He wants to work in and through us, specifically through the manifestation of our charisms, the gifts that he's given us, then um, the temptations abound, again, to enter into Mm -hmm. anywhere we see a need. We just think, well, you know, we kind of beat ourselves up. Well, if I was a good Christian, then I would do this. But uh, I think the wisdom of the saints would say, "Mm, no, we need to be singularly focused on Christ and what Christ's will for us is. Yeah? Right. Right. Yeah. And then to respond generously to whatever that is. Right. right. Because as you said, uh, burnout is a real thing in our lives. When we are using our charisms, the likelihood of burnout is much lower. Right. Because it's grace. It's God using us. It's, it's us making Jesus present in the world. Right. Mm. What? there's nothing that's going to burn me out about that. Right? <laughs> Amen. Priest, religious, At least I hope. <laughs> or, or lay person. That is correct. That's correct. Well, yeah. Father, I, yeah. I can't believe it, but we're just about down to our last minute here. So I just want to take a moment to say thank you. Thank you, not just for being on the show, Trending with Timory tonight, um, but also thank you for all of your work with Called and Gifted, as well as your work um, in your Doctor of Ministry of Evangelization. God bless you, Father. Thank you so much for being on the show tonight. Thanks for having me, Patrick. 
All right. Well, there's so many so many great things. And if you missed any part of the program, this is uh, well worth another listen to. You can always go back to the show page at relevantradio.com. Um, just click on listen, find Trending with Timory, and you can listen to the show in its entirety there. You can follow Timory, of course, on Instagram and social media. So make sure and follow her. Keep up with her maternity leave going on there and continue your prayers for her. Yep, uh, the family rosary across America is actually coming to you from Holy Trinity in Casco, Wisconsin. I'm in Wisconsin myself right now, although I'm a little bit too far away to run over and join them live. But uh, why not stay tuned and pray the rosary of Father Rocky and the the family rosary across America. It's been great to be with you. Again, if you have any questions about charism discernment, check out org for called and gifted. Uh, otherwise, we will see you in the new uh, in the new day. God bless you. Be well. <laughs>